Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to The Counselor's Couch. I'm your host, Calvin Williams, Licensed Professional Counselor. Now, it's been a while, I know, so let's just kind of start with a check-in today. You know, the past couple of months have been incredibly busy for me. It's this time of the year that I usually take to kind of gather my continuing education units that I need for licensure. But it's also the time of the year that I've had in the past used to kind of connect with many of my professional colleagues and my friends. So I finished my training in EMDR, and I attended the Louisiana Counseling Association State Counseling Conference. Now, this is the first time that I've been back to the conference in person since 2019. We as an organization, like many others, were directly impacted by COVID restrictions and transitioned to those virtual conferences, which, to be honest, just don't have the same impact as in person. I've always tried to have an active role in our state organization since LCA is the advocate for the counseling profession in Louisiana. It's a source of connection, collaboration, consultation, and continuing education. Now, I'm proud to say that I have actually served as president of the Louisiana Counseling Association in years past, and I really like to stay connected. In fact, our yearly conference is one of the only times I get to visit with some of my peers around the state, and we look forward to catching up. Well, when COVID impacted this, I think we all could feel the impact, and it was great to be back. Now, you can only imagine a group of professional counselors in one place. It's kind of crazy, but it's empowering and uplifting to me personally. When you work in the caring profession, it can easily become draining, especially if you're not connecting with others and taking care of your own mental health. This was evident in how many sessions were provided at conference this year with the focus on self-care and wellness. Mental health does matter. October was actually recognized by many organizations as Mental Health Awareness Month. So what does that really mean? Well, let's explore that. But before we get started, let me remind you again, nothing provided in this podcast implies a therapeutic relationship between counselor and client. It is solely for education and entertainment. Counseling can help you overcome challenges enhance your relationships, and develop the skills to lead the life that you want. If you're considering therapy, then please reach out to a trained, licensed professional in your community. If you are interested in seeking counseling in the Monroe, Louisiana area, or if you live anywhere in Louisiana and you're interested in participating in teletherapy with state-approved professionals, well then contact the providers at HealthPoint Center. Change starts here. Psychology and Counseling Services. HealthPoint is a collaboration of independent professionals, such as Williams Professional Counseling Services, who are dedicated to improving your quality of life and guiding you on a positive path toward change. That's HealthPoint Center, located at 1818 Avenue of America, Monroe, Louisiana. Call today to inquire about services, providers, or book an appointment at area code 318-998-2700. Well, it's that time again. So pull up a cushion, kick off your shoes, and grab a cup of coffee. Let's get started with the session. Break out those green ribbons. October was Mental Health Awareness Month. Well, it depends. In some areas, May is commonly referred to as Mental Health Awareness Month, whereas in other areas, we view October as the month. Personally, I think it should be held every month, which is why I waited until November to drop this episode. But I'm not in charge of that kind of thing. Services and organizations worldwide pulled back the curtains on concerns about mental health services, where we are and where we need to go. According to the National Alliance for Mental Illness, which is NAMI, one in 20 adults in the United States experiences a serious mental illness every year. 
More than 51 million adults in the U.S. face the reality of managing a mental illness every day. And one in six youth, aged 6 through 17, experience a mental health condition each year. The statistics can be staggering, and believe it or not, many of you listening will be directly impacted by mental illness in some way, if you haven't already. This makes mental health an incredibly important part of our overall health. We are not alone, and by working towards advocacy, support, and access to quality care, something can be done. So if they want to recognize it in May, June, July, or October, it doesn't really matter to me. Every month should be Mental Health Awareness Month. But what does that really mean? What does mental health awareness truly mean? What you will see is many organizations will focus on mental illness. You'll be bombarded with statistics and current struggles many people face in finding available services and resources to assist those with mental illness. However, in my humble opinion, mental illness and mental health are two different things. Everyone has an overall mental health. It's just how we are as human beings. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just how it is. But not everyone will experience mental illness. Now, as a human being, I believe we consist of four components. We are physical, meaning we have a body. We're emotional, meaning we have feelings. We are mental, meaning we think and are cognitive. And we are spiritual, meaning we have a belief and a value system. This is what comprises the human experience. I believe that our overall mental health is based on finding a balance in all four areas. This is the direction I take with many of my clients. Are you living a well-balanced life and taking care of your overall mental health? This is a question, and this is what I hope you will take away from this episode and every mental health awareness program. You know, sometimes employers, organizations, and even schools will posture and state taking care of your mental health is important. However, when you actually try and take a mental health day or use your PTO, your personal time off, how many of you are put on a guilt trip of expectations and workloads? that just have to be completed or the company is going to fall apart. I have actually had clients tell me they have been told they could not take time off because everybody is already overworked as they were going into a mental health awareness presentation for the company where they worked. I mean, I don't get it. You already know everybody is overworked and stressed, but when you ask to take time off for your mental health, you're accused of not being a team player. Well, I call BS on this push-down style of management. I mean, it's messed up. Yeah, I know a job must get done, but if it all falls apart because I take a day to rest and recalibrate, well, folks, it wasn't working in the first place. And pardon me when I say this, but sometimes shit just has to fall apart to really see where the problems lie and what we need to fix. Now, as you can see, I'm pretty passionate about taking care of your mental health, but I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'm probably one of the worst at actually doing it myself. I also know that I'm not alone in this struggle. So what keeps us from taking that much-needed rest for our mental health? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I have a theory. I believe it has something to do with the subconscious beliefs that we attach to taking time off, and what we have been conditioned to believe about mental health in general. When you ask someone how their mental health is, in general, a common response is often, I'm good because we fear being judged as less than or ill. You know, my favorite response is when people tell me they don't have any mental health problems, yet they're sitting in my office complaining about the stressors in their life. That's a little confusing and incongruent if you ask me. 
This is why I think it's important to differentiate between mental health and mental illness. You'll never sit in your doctor's office coughing with a runny nose and a fever, and then when he asks you how your physical health is, you tell him, you know, I'm good, doc. Well, or maybe you would. I hope not, because without acknowledging the problem, you'll never find a solution. Recognizing the importance of caring for your mental health is the first step. It's not a weakness. You're not crazy. And you're not a powder puff generation with no work ethic. It's actually called enlightenment and self-aware. You know, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, author John Mark Comer talks about the importance of keeping the Sabbath. Now, if you're not familiar with the term, Sabbath is a day of religious observance or abstinence from work, usually associated with the Jewish and Christian religion. It's an enlightening book, even if you don't share the belief system. The author maintains that we are designed to rest, and that through rest we can connect with God. Even in biblical terms, Genesis tells us that on the seventh day God rested. I even have to remind people sometimes that even Jesus got in the boat to get away from the crowds. It's there if you can see it, the first mental health day. We as human beings are designed to rest. Nakomer also shares that most people's common response to their stressful lives is, if I only had more time in the day, I could rest. No, you wouldn't. You'd just add another meeting or a task or an email. Taking time for your mental health is an active choice. It's a decision and it requires action, action that you must take. However, we have cultivated a culture that devalues downtime and mental health. You're supposed to do it all and do it all to your best, always. It's so interesting to me watching the television coverage of Queen Elizabeth's funeral in England. You know, I was mesmerized by how the entire country simply shut down to grieve as one for a leader over several days. I mean, think about that for a moment. People took time off work away from their daily tasks to stand in line and mourn the loss of their country's queen together as a country. Now, I'm sure there were some employers that said no to those requests for time off, but a majority likely encouraged it. Whereas here, we're lucky to get two days off, but only if it's a direct relative and you have to bring us a copy of the death certificate or obituary. Something might be a little off there, folks. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not advocating for laziness, sloth, or more holidays at work. Well, I actually ran across a funny meme a few days ago, and it said, Medieval peasants worked only about 150 days a year because the church felt it was important to keep them happy with frequent mandatory holidays. I mean, think about that. You get less holidays than a medieval peasant. You can bet I forwarded that meme to the office manager and staff that schedule my appointments. What I'm advocating for is an awareness of how valuable taking time for your mental health truly is for us. In fact, an inability to take care of your mental health can lead to mental illness, or what we refer to as a mental health disorder. Just like failure to take care of your physical health can lead to physical illness. So what does taking care of your mental health look like? We don't all have access to a beach home or cabin in the mountains. So how can we integrate activities that promote the wellness of your mental health on a daily basis. Mental health is an essential part of your overall health and quality of life, and I believe self-care is a primary key to a successful mental health. Self-care simply means taking time to do things for yourself, things that support your physical and mental health. 
Unfortunately, many people confuse self-care with selfishness. I see it regularly in my practice. When I introduce the concept of self-care, it seems like I ask people to put a needle in their eye based on their reactions I get. As we explore it further, I find that there's a distortion of thought and a confusion with being selfish that most people have developed throughout their life. Self-care is not a new word developed at some psychological conference or on a TikTok video. Self-care is a recognized, intentional process of committing to protecting and sustaining your mental health. It actually makes you a better person, a better employee, a better parent, and a better friend. Selfishness is something we do that is lacking considerations for others and for our own profit and pleasure. I actually take care of me so I can be better at taking care of others. That's what self-care truly is about. Now, a common example we often use in therapy is the oxygen mask. You know, when you're traveling on a plane with a child and the oxygen mask falls, who do you put it on first? Now, many people think you put it on the child first, but you would be wrong. You were instructed by the flight attendant to place the mask over your own face and then help those around you. Why? It's simple. If I pass out from lack of oxygen, then I'm no good to anybody around me. I actually become a burden. And if you really and truly think about it, how much time does it really take to put a plastic cup over your mouth and breathe? You will argue about this example longer than it actually takes to perform the action. Self-care can come in so many different forms. It doesn't have to be a beach destination or a ski trip in the Alps, although those do sound great. Self-care can be as simple as spending time with a loved one or developing a support system of friends. It means getting restful sleep, eating healthy, drinking plenty of water, and engaging in regular exercise. It can also be finding a quiet place to minimize your distractions and tune out the world for a moment. Think about going a day without your phone. Many of you would experience full-on withdrawal. One of the most important things about self-care is taking time to quiet the inner critic, to quiet that self-devaluing voice in your head, and to practice self-compassion. You know, Jesus instructed us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Now think about that for a moment and just reflect. Perhaps this is why there's so much conflict in the world today. If I am to love you as I love myself, then that may be the very problem. How are we loving ourselves? What does our self-care look like? I'm trying to be kind to you, and I'm not even kind to myself. I'm trying to be patient with you, and I'm not even patient with myself. Perhaps a person's lack of compassion with others is due to a lack of compassion with self. I tell couples I work with all the time that if you're giving something to your partner that you are not even giving to yourself, it leads to resentments. It creates distance and anger, resulting in conflicts within your relationship. Having compassion for yourself and others is not a feeling, it's an action. It's about treating yourself and others in a loving manner. Unfortunately, when the cabinets are empty, it makes it challenging to feed others. Now, as a caregiver, I often use the analogy of serving from a well. I want you to imagine my job is to serve water from the well. I have a line of people waiting with their buckets, and I scoop down deep into the well, and I fill the buckets, one after another. 
I scoop, I fill, I scoop, I fill, and I scoop, and I fill. I am so focused on the scooping that I really don't take time to see what I'm actually scooping from the well. I may be filling buckets, but what am I actually filling them with? I'm scooping up gravel, rocks, moss, bacteria, and some water. I may be filling the bucket, but it may not really be as refreshing as I thought. So I need to take time to care for the well. And I let the line know that this weekend I'm closing the well so I can clean it and treat the water. So that on Monday, when the well reopens, I will be providing you with the freshest water possible. Now, there are going to be some people in the crowd that will mumble and complain. They may even tell me that they're going to go to another well and never come back. Well, that's all right. There will be people in the line that say, it's okay, Calvin. We can make it through the weekend and we'll be back on Monday. Thanks for looking out for us. This well has the freshest water because you care for it. Now tell me self-care is not an important part of your overall mental health. Whatever self-care looks like for you, you must take time to relax and engage in something in which you can really enjoy the moment. Actually, in researching this episode, I came across a great little tool to help you on your path to self-care. It's a card game called Better Than Yesterday, a mindfulness game. This game contains 365 daily challenges to help you live a more confident, fulfilling, and carefree life. Basically, you pull a card and you go for it. It can be something as simple as a post a throwback picture of yourself as a child, or write down one thing you need to forgive yourself for, or give out three high fives to strangers, or my favorite, buy yourself a dessert today and share one with a friend. You have to remember it's the little things that make life joyful. Our lives are lived in moments. Don't miss them. Well, it seems we've reached the end of our session today. I want to thank each of you for listening, and I encourage you to keep coming back. Now, as you move forward this week, I hope you'll take time for you. Stop and smell the roses. Enjoy the leaves changing colors. Notice something new in the world around you. Take time to reconnect with you. Your mental health depends on it. Now, today I want to leave you with a quote from Maya Angelou. Every person needs to take one day away. A day in which one consciously separates the past from the future. Jobs, family, employers, and friends can exist one day without any one of us. And if our ego permits us to confess, they could exist eternally in our absence. Each person deserves a day away in which no problems are confronted and no solutions are searched for. Each of us needs to withdraw from the cares which will not withdraw from us. Remember, folks, you are not alone. Live intentionally, love daily, and laugh often. Please subscribe and follow me on whatever format you use to listen to podcasts, and take a moment and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews matter more than you know, and they allow us to improve or adjust the show as needed. Let me know what you think. And take a minute to share the episode with a friend or a family member. I really want to get the message out there this year that you are not alone. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, well, you can email them directly to Calvin at Calvin C. Williams, LPC.com, or you can reach me on Facebook at Williams Professional Counseling Services, LLC. 
You can even check out my website at www.calvincwilliamslpc.com. Or if you'd like to schedule a therapy session with me, contact us at HealthPoint Center, area code 318-998-2700. I do always look forward to hearing from listeners, so please feel free to submit topics of interest, comments, or questions. Thanks again for stopping by, and remember folks, there's always room for you on the counselor's couch.